Hey guys, welcome back. Ah, we another season of Black Therapist Podcast. I am once again your host, Nikita Banks, and I am excited to be back. I hope you're excited to listen. First of all, shout out to everybody who DM'd me and was like, yeah, summer vacation is over. We need new stuff. <laughs> because I appreciate like the reciprocal conversations that we have on social media. If you are not following us on um my Instagram platforms, you can do so at M-S-N-I-K-I Banks, blanked for a minute, on Instagram, as well as Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram as well. We listen to all of the comments, the the nice ones, and even the not so nice ones. Speaking of that, shout out to the young lady that told me that I talk too much in the beginning of the shows. That's not a newsflash. My mother's been hearing that ever since I was in second grade. And I get paid to talk now. (laughs) But I'm going to try to keep these church announcements down to like 10 minutes. Okay. And I'm only going to do 10 minutes because number one, we have a really good show Um, coming today. We have Dantea Mitchell Hunter. She is a LMFT and she is based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and I believe Washington. And um, I just kind of want to catch you up on all of the things that we've done on outbreak, right? So first things first, if you are a therapist or a mental health advocate and you've been seeing our Therapy for the Culture t-shirts or our Hood Healer t-shirts or our Hood Healer hoodies or our God for the, for, must say God for the Culture, God and Therapy t-shirts and bags, I launched the website. Now, if you were listening last season, every day I kept saying, oh, the website will be up, the website will be up. Now, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I am really good at social media marketing. I do some our graphic stuff and I do all of our websites. But last year, I felt like I was doing too much, like I was team too much last year. And so I hired someone to build the website and I build websites. And because I build websites, I assume that building an e-commerce site is like building a regular site. And for me, building websites, as long as like the structure is there, I could throw them up, especially I build sites in WordPress. I can throw them up maybe in like a day or two or three, like at max. If everything is there, it's done in a week. Well, I assumed that an e-commerce site in 2019 would be the same I've never built an e-commerce site so the person that I hired to do it was she did an amazing job but she was struggling to do certain things and I didn't appreciate how much work it was going to take to do it until I did it so I hired her she started out she started doing it and then I had to go in and scrap everything that she did and we do it so the site is up that's all of that to say the site is up now and if you want to purchase our t-shirts our bags our hoodies you can go on over there and you could grab you something okay and we'd appreciate it because everything here that you see I do and I would like to be able to hire other people to do some of the things that I do and you know buying a hoodie or a t-shirt and hopefully soon a mug would keep me in um, you just you'll just be keeping my sanity you help my sanity along and I would appreciate that okay so buy a hoodie or something as part of my my self-care if you care about me at all but I know that's not why you're here okay so that's one of the things that we did we got the e-commerce site up I redesigned my website and for you therapists that are out there and you're listening to the sound of my voice I automated my website y'all 
Now, it makes it a lot easier for me to send out emails. My emails are automated. My schedule is automated. My reminders are automated. It. I was doing all of this stuff by myself like a fool. And so my own therapist, I told him in therapy, I'm like, I don't even know how you still do this with a pen and a paper because I tried it and I can't I couldn't do it so now my clients are able to schedule reschedule pay their premiums the whatever it is that they have to pay co-pays deposits all of that stuff uh cancellation fees all of that online and I don't have to be bothered all I have to do is press the button and remind them it is a game changer Later on in the season, we will definitely be talking about all of the things you need to do in your website or all of the things that you need to do to have in your therapy website so that you can spend more time in your business, that you can be a lot more effective with your clients. You can have a lot more time for self-care and some downtime in between and start automating some of these processes. And I cannot wait for that show. Uh, we we scheduled a guy that does a lot of the web development for therapists and you know we have a joint project coming up so I can't wait for you guys to to learn more about that if you're interested in that specifically please send me an email or join our mailing list okay and if you follow us on Instagram all of the links to everything that I'm saying is in the bio our healthy relationship for boss chicks course is also there that is free our uh free mental wellness course what is it what's it called oh get mentally fit is there if you're curious about therapy if you want to go if you're curious about what to ask a therapist how to find a free therapist and low-cost therapist and how to support your friends who have mental health issues that is there okay about this episode so me and Dantea we had this conversation I've never met her but I, I'm, I'm telling you this show is funny and it's literally like we were like old friends kindred spirits and so <laughs> I hope you really enjoy this episode of the Black Therapist Podcast and I hope you enjoy the upcoming season one thing that I want to say if you are a therapist or mental health advocate and you join our mailing list or if you haven't joined our mailing list make sure that you do over the next few weeks we are going to be doing a lot of free trainings and a lot of low-cost trainings because I'm building content up for what we are going to launch next and so I'm really excited about where we are going as a company I'm really excited about where I want to take therapy for the culture of people of color and the therapists who serve them Um, I do all of these things every single thing that you see from growing my Instagram from you know scheduling my my content to following people to talking to you guys to DMing you to all of the graphics the web development all of those things my my own marketing platforms scheduling my sites all of that stuff I do myself and so I want to be able to help therapists who are tech friendly to uh, not so tech savvy to help them do the things that they need to do efficiently and effectively to market their businesses. So that's one of the things that I want to do. And if you are somebody who, who's just a mental health advocate and you're looking to incorporate a lot more or better mental health habits in your own life, please make sure that you reach out to us because I'm a resource for you as well. I got a lot of things that we're developing for people of color who may not be in an environment where there are therapists in their areas that they love or therapists 
in their areas that they like or therapists in their area that they're exposed to to help them create low-cost mental wellness routines okay and another thing I want to say if you are in the states of New York New Jersey Florida and Atlanta I still have some open um, sessions open for both virtual sessions and coaching sessions Okay, and not everybody is a good fit for virtual sessions, and I'll I'll say why. I, I there are some people out here who have more serious mental health issues, and they need to have in-state support. If that is you, and you have a severe mental health diagnosis, I'm willing to work with you in finding a local provider for you, and that wouldn't cost you anything. But if it's somebody who has life issues to some diagnosis I have to kind of see if we are a good fit in order to work with with that and if you want to use your insurance I also have to kind of screen you for that if you are interested in getting screened for working with me as a a therapist in the states of New York New Jersey and uh, Florida and Georgia please feel free to contact me okay at NikitaBanks.com All right. So um, I also wanted to let you guys know that we have a new series coming and I don't know. Just let me know if you like it. So our series is what would you do in this week? The advice that I will ask you guys to give me will be me right I have a slight problem Um, and I kind of just wanted to like you know see what you guys think about it. How are we going to do this? If I keep this segment right, how we're going to do this is I'm going to ask you on the show. I'm going to tell you a scenario. It may be real. It may be imagined. It may be something I got off the net. It may be something that happened on TV. But I'm going to ask you a scenario. And um, I'm going to see how you guys think it should be handled. What would you do if you were in that situation? And then on the next week, I'm going to let you know what I think you should do or I should do what should be done about the situation in my professional opinion but y'all know I'm a human and sometimes my my professional opinion is is colored by my my little ghetto girl uh disposition okay I give y'all advice sometimes my Brooklyn be rising so uh we're gonna go into that segment right now and then we're gonna get into the interview with Dantea Mitchell Hunter okay all right so I want to apologize in advance for this audio. I was like driving around the city <laughs> recording and it's not how I usually record the show. OK, but I just kind of want to just preface that. But this segment is not very long because I just kind of want to get it out and get into today's episode. OK, so here it is. So I have something going on in my own personal life. It's kind of not going on in my personal life. But it's going on in my personal life adjacent. So I felt like, you know what, it'd be a really good topic to discuss on the show, which is what do you do or how do you decide if you should or should not handle a broken friendship? Okay, so I have a girlfriend. She's been my friend for over 20 plus years. She and I had a mutual friend. I am no longer friends with this friend, and I'm perfectly cool with that. Um, she doesn't speak to the friend, 
And again, I'm perfectly cool with that. Our friendship with the girl, or to, to have or to not have a friendship with this girl, had nothing to do with me. I could care less. She's my friend, regardless of anything, right? But anyway, we have a mutual friend. So anyhow, so what it, what ended up happening is, is my girlfriend saw this person who used to be a mutual friend, and she came to me and was like, hey, the girl, you know, I, I saw her, and she started to say complimentary things about the girl, and in, in, in the beginning of the conversation, I indulged in it. It wasn't like, it was superfluous information, just like, oh, she looked nice, I saw her, whatever, you know, things are going well in her life, and I said, okay, you know, great. But then I thought about it, like, after the conversation started going on a little bit. And I was like, damn, you know what? Not for nothing. I really don't care about this person. She and I aren't friends anymore, and I don't really want to indulge in a conversation with her. Like, not like I want her dead, right? I'm like, you know, I think my literal comment was like, I'm glad that she's not on crack, but I really don't give a shit about this girl. I don't want to talk about her. So we were in the process of changing the subject, however... Before we could change the subject, two things of note happened in the conversation. Number one, my homegirl was like, hey, why don't you guys speak anymore? Like, what? No. She, the, the literal question she asked me was like, why doesn't she like you? And I thought that that was an odd question. And I'm going to come back to that in a, in a minute. So we're going to put a pin in that. The second thing she, she said was, well, the girl had expressed an interest in rekindling the friendship with my friend. Not with me, but with my friend who, with whom she was speaking. And she, she told me that she replied to the girl, time heals all wounds. To which I said, a time may heal all wounds, but what about character? Okay. So I, to answer the first question, what I didn't like about that question was that it implied that I had done something to this person for her not to like me. Number one, people don't need a reason to not like people. They can just choose who they want to engage in and who they don't want to engage in. I, I feel like that situation, that friendship, that situation, it kind of ran its its course. That's a friendship that I had in my teens, number one, she had in her teens, number two. And we really were just friends because of proximity. It wasn't like we loved each other. It really wasn't a friendship like we loved each other. We, you know, we had so, so much in common. I mean, at the time when we were teenagers, we really did have a lot in common, but we're both grown women right now. And I don't really feel like at this stage of where I am in my life and what I'm doing in my life, she has a large place in it. So again, while I don't wish anything bad happened to her, I don't want her to get hit by a car or anything. I don't really feel like for me, there there's anything that I'm losing by not having that friendship. And to be honest, I am judging by my 19 year old self. I'm judging by her, you know, 17, 18 year old self. I haven't been in friends, a friendship with this person in over 10 years and probably more than that. My son is, is 21, 22. So Oh, he's 21, but he'll be 22. So, I, you know, I haven't been in this friendship for at least 20 years right now. The, the other friendship, I've been in that friendship for over 20 years. So um, 
And at this point, me and the friend who had this conversation about the other friend, ooh, that sounds a lot. She and I have been friends and maintained our friendship a lot longer than the friendship that she's maintained with that other friend. Right. And we've gone through real things together, like really, truly loved and supported each other within within those time period. We've raised our children and stuff, you know, pretty much together. So there's that. Right. But, yeah, I found it odd that she would ask me why this person wasn't my friend. And the simple answer to that is that we all kind of split friendships and in in this friendship divorce some people get some people and some people get others I ended up with this friend this friend ended up being friends with somebody else I'm no longer friends with so it was just kind of like we just like divided friends I got who I got she got who she got and it was nothing it wasn't like she did me she did anything wrong to me or anything however when we were friends I felt aggrieved because she tried to cut my throat not literally, that's the same. But she tried to cut my throat about a guy I had been dating. Like she she tried to violate me with the dude that I was seeing. Now I don't really care that much about guys. I don't. And I don't care at all about this guy. I do care that a friend of mine would try to go behind my back and try to, you know, cut my throat, I'll say again. It's the only way that I think about, like, like it was some real cutthroat stuff that she did or attempted to do to me but instead of it being a secret the dude came and told me so I was like oh word that's how my friend carried it like she tried to sleep with you even though you and I were like kind of seeing each other I and not only did she tell me but multiple people came I mean he she never mentioned it to me and I never even mentioned it to her but the fact that she did it I was like yo you know what it is what it is that's number one number two I had already looked at the person like even when she and I were friends, she would sleep with anybody's man who was around. So I was like, I thought maybe, you know, maybe she won't do it to me because we're really, really good friends. But when I started to see how she was trying to do it with other people, I was like, yeah, she'll do it to me, too. So to me, it was a character issue. Plain and simple. Like it wasn't like not not that she wasn't a good person, not that she was a bad, like I know that if it came between me and a man, she would choose the man anytime, any day, any any time, any place, anywhere. And so I knew that that was not something I really wanted to engage in. So when we kind of lost touch because we didn't have a falling out, it wasn't an argument. I didn't argue with her about dude. I don't care about dude. It didn't even matter. It just was kind of like, a, oh, this how you get down for me. Once I noticed that, I was like, yeah, I'm good on her. And when the when the friendship fell by the wayside, I was like, I'm good on her. Didn't mean I, I wasn't still cordial. Didn't mean I wasn't nothing. But I just seen who she was. Let's fast forward. So my girlfriend came to me and she was like, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, being friends with her again. And I was like, what, you know, what would make you feel like that would be advantageous for you. Like if you became her friend right now, what would you, what would you be gaining from this friendship? And the reason that they stopped speaking is because they weren't friends anymore. 
or they they were kind of friends or I don't really understand the story they were friends or they weren't friends and that girl tried to hook another girl up with her man and tried to sleep with her man and of course the man is the man so he came back and told his woman that this is what happened I don't know he probably told half a story because that's what men do but I as a friend when she finally told me why they weren't friends I was like you shouldn't possibly, can't possibly be surprised because you knew what she did to me and everybody else. But maybe you were thinking like me that she wouldn't do it to you. So here's my question to you guys. Have you ever been violated, betrayed, hurt, had a woman try to cut your throat with a man and rekindled that friendship? Like, how do you get past that situation? And do you feel like that's a friendship worth saving? Because I'm going to have to have a conversation with my girlfriend about whether or not she's going to rekindle this friendship. Not just so much because I feel like it affects me. I don't really feel like it affects me except for the fact that I really don't want to, at this stage of my life, be exposed to somebody who's still doing the stuff that homegirl was doing, number one. And number two, I don't think that this is an issue about behavior I think this is a, it's a character issue. And I still have the same feeling. Like if I'm around and I'm chilling and I, you know, I'm around her and for whatever reason we're around, I go to my friend's birthday party, for example, and then I bring my man and then the girl is there. Do I got to worry about like taking my man with me to the restroom and stuff like that? I mean, that's not a real worry of mine, but for me, I really feel like this is not so much of a, incident issue I think this is a character issue and while I literally have no ill will towards this woman like I don't I'm indifferent about her I just don't know if I feel like anticipating the level of chaos that she could potentially bring to the friendship that I now have with my girlfriend that has none and furthermore, I really have a problem with like us as women signing up for situations with our eyes completely, completely open, excuse me, um, completely open, signing up for situations with our eyes completely open and not taking responsibility for enforcing the peace in our existence. That's just me. So my question to you guys is, could you reestablish a friendship with somebody that either slept with your man or tried to sleep with your man or whatever? And, you know, I guess the second part of that question is, is do you think it's any of my business if my friend reignites a friendship with somebody that I don't particularly care for? Like, I don't hate her. I don't hate her. But but I don't know. Do you think it's any of my business? Because I really feel like I want to have a conversation with my friend about what this friendship looks like. And I know I'm me, so I don't, I don't have boundaries when it comes to that. I think I'll probably have a conversation with her. But I'm wondering if it's if it's my place or if it's not my place. Okay? All right, so we're going to talk about this on social media, and you can give me your, your responses on social. You can DM me. You can hit me up, however. But that's the, that's the question of the day. Okay, so we're going to get into this episode right now. Okay, so introduce yourself. Okay, so my name is Dante Mitchell Hunter. I am a live in marriage and family therapist. 
I have my license in Washington State. I'm from Seattle. And I also have my license in Georgia. Right now, I live outside of Atlanta. Okay. Now, can you explain to the people listening what the importance is of having a license in different states? Because I think they probably heard me say that I'm licensed in several states, but I know that I've never explained it or why I am. Yeah, I can talk about that. So what happened, what happened was I decided I wanted to move back to Atlanta and I had just gotten my license in the state of Washington and I didn't want to just throw all that hard work away. So I figured, I know there aren't a lot of black female therapists back home, so I wanted to keep that active just in case I wanted to do still see clients in that state or just in case I moved back or any anything. I just felt like it was necessary to keep it active since I had done the work. Okay. And so for other people that don't know, uh, we, we're kind of like lawyers in the, the way that we have to take the bar in each, in each state, but we don't have to take the test in each state because the test is national, except for California. I don't know if California came on board yet in terms of my, in terms of my license, but your license is preferred in California, you said, correct? Yes, it is preferred in California. MFTs rule the world in California. Mm. And that's great for us, and it sucks for me because it's an entirely different test, and no one wants to take another. They have two tests, actually. No one wants to do that. The LMFT is the test that you take in California? So California has an ethics test, and they have, I believe, a child, something around working with children test. And I think they're both oral. So, yeah, it's completely different. Because the national one for, for my credential is the AMFTRB. I don't know what it stands for. I just know that's what it's called. <laughs> Okay, I've never even heard of that. Never even heard <laughs> yeah. of that one. So, what is your license? So, being a licensed marriage and family therapist, I think, I mean, everyone has their biases. I love my field because we are trained systemically. So, systemically means we see things as being all connected. So, if some, an example, if someone were to walk into my office, which they wouldn't walk in because my office, as you know, is online. If someone was to start working with me and they said, I'm depressed, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, oh, well, I know you told me that you and your um, husband divorced, so you must be depressed because of divorce. So let's just talk about the divorce and that's it. That's not all there is. As we know, we're feeling depressed or anxious. There are a lot of things that make up that problem. And so, systemically, I'm going to look for all the things that are connected to that that we can explore to help hopefully relieve or, like, help you manage the problem. And also being trained in their family therapy, we're trained in family systems. So, we look at how um, uh, the boundaries of families affect how we become a person, how dynamics shift, um, stressors, the generational traumas, like we mentioned before. So we have we have both those things going on. Okay. And what what do you find is the most uh, common challenge people make when they are having family issues? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Funny things about that. For my experience, the most common usually is is the the person that wants to step outside of the norm, like the unhealthy norm of the family. Mm-hmm. So that so that may be people might feel like they're the black sheep, right? Or um, they haven't spoken to their mother in years because every time they get together, it turns into this toxic thing. And so usually it's when that person wants to challenge, maybe maybe my family keeps secrets and I'm the one that doesn't want to keep the secrets anymore. I want to share. However, 
everyone's so accustomed to that norm and for you to go against that kind of feel like an outsider you do not know how to how to be around your family and how to be a healthy person when you're around them yeah I think that, you know, I had a, a conversation with my old supervisor and she's going to come on the show at some point. Um, but she and I were speaking about the difference between shame and guilt. And I thought that it was such a good conversation because I never thought about those two entities being a different thing. Um, and the way she described it was uh, guilt is doing an action or being involved in something and then having remorseful feelings and or feelings of regret around it. And sh- and shame is when you have those feelings, whether or not you've done something or not. And yeah, I like that. And yeah, like I never even thought about it like that because we, we were talking about it in context, the context of race. She's a white woman mm-hmm. and she does. She does work around race relations and creating safe spaces and uh, getting allies. And so uh, we were having this conversation, but I, I'm, as you're talking to me, thinking about the common challenges that I find in a lot of family, a lot of those secrets and those behaviors, they, they do stem from past shameful feelings or current shameful feelings. And I think when you're the one, like in my family, I'm the squeaky wheel. When you are the squeaky wheel and you're challenging the status quo, it stirs up those feelings. And it doesn't have to be something that somebody has actually done that they should be ashamed of. But you can still have shame and not have a connection to the activities that is causing you shame. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we successfully navigate the changes that we want to see in our family? Ooh. <laughs> are, oh, I love conversations like this. Let me, let me think how I want to answer it concisely. Okay. How can you go about it? Well, I mean, there are so many, there are so many different things that people want to challenge the family on. Even, even those who come, uh, come out to the family as queer or anything like that. And it's really important to have support. It's really important to have some someone in that family system that you feel like can support you. If that person is unable to have that per- that support system in the family, going outside of the family to find that support, if that is a mentor, if that if you have access to like counseling or therapy, um, I think. I also think sometimes seeing, how do I say, seeing an example, like in the culture of maybe maybe how you want your life to be, or um, seeing 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 someone doing what you're what you're already doing. So if that if we're going back to the whole shame and guilt thing, if you if you want to do more about do more of that, you don't want to keep holding on to all these secrets, and you watch someone like Brene Brown, you can feel kind of like relieved, like oh, there is someone out there doing that. It is okay to want to not feel like toxic inside I can go ahead and do that does that make sense yeah yeah but I also think it's necessary to have somebody confirm your sanity (laughs) because when you are with families and, and, and our families are the most influential people on our, our development, on who we are, on our personalities, just in our lives, period, right? But when you have, mm-hmm. I feel like when you you looking at your family and you're, you're almost making a judgment 
that the way we operate here is not good enough. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel bad, which in terms make, makes them try to make us feel bad for wanting to change the system. And a lot of gaslighting occurs. Mm-hmm. And whether, you know, if you don't know what gaslighting is, Google. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing. <laughs> Your president does it all the time. But a lot of a lot of gaslighting occurs. And so you you will have somebody telling you that you don't feel what you feel. And you don't you you don't exist in an environment where your reality is a real thing and it it sometimes makes you question who you are and what you want yeah yeah it's tough I mean I'll use myself as an example for years I mean till this day my sisters get on me about being sensitive and it's not that I'm sensitive it's just that I don't I don't enjoy being superficial all the time you know it's in my family, with my mother, she didn't have the skills. She has them now, thank goodness she's done the work. Didn't have the skills to be, like, emotionally mature about conversations, having emotional intelligence. And so for me, I wanted to understand things. Uh, if my feelings were hurt, I wanted to talk about it so I, I understand how that happened. And I want you to know how it made me feel. And for years, years, she was not here for it. She would shut me down. Um, she would get frustrated, like you said, like that would trigger something in her. She's angry, now she's mad at me. And so for a long time, I just kind of silenced myself. And then I started to um, not really trust my family right. And I started to spend time with other people that allowed me to express that. So that was maybe my best friend's mothers or things like that. And it literally wasn't until maybe the end of college and during grad school when I started to learn how to like have emotional mature conversations which allowed me to then help my family little by little when they were willing and open to it do you feel like your sensitivity (laughs) was a, a positive catalyst for that change in the family because I think for me I have the the type of temperament even I have two very different distinct personalities um, in, in terms of my parents I believe both of them have personality development issues I don't want to call them personality disorders I don't want to diagnose them mm-hmm. uh, my father had a diagnosis though but I'll, I'll just put that out there but in terms of my mom she's never been to therapy before and I'm not going to be her first therapist so I'm not mm-hmm. going to diagnose her but I do believe that they both had specific challenges and because of my temperament I was able to get what I needed from the both of them and I was able to communicate to them in a way that allowed me to get the things that I need from them without frustrating myself. And so do you think, you know, that sensitivity that you had that apparently, you know, according to your sisters, they lack um, helped? <laughs> well, you know, if if I'm calling you sensitive, I say you too sensitive, I would assume that it's more you know your level of sensitivity is measured against mine yes yes absolutely so so do you you know and that's not a judgment against your sisters but do you feel do you feel like your you know hypersensitivity i'll just say it like that respectfully um kind of contributed to the the i'll say the overall well-being of the family yeah, 
and again, because systemically, I I will see it that way. That my my push against the norm definitely helped to to push us to this place that we are in now. Uh, I don't think I'm the sole reason, you know, why I think change. I think I think someone had to like. There's always going to be one person in the system that is going to break that. So. I helped to develop that, and then over time, um, you know, in grad school, I started to learn, like you said, I can't be your therapist, so then I started to encourage people more. Why don't you go, like, be counseling or be a therapist? And also, I, as I matured, I realized that, dang, it must be really stressful for my mom, a black single mom raising, you know, four girls on her own. Like, that, that's got to be stressful, so mm-hmm. I have more empathy. And I didn't push on all the things, you know, because there's only she did the best she could. So then understanding the other side of it, too. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think that that's the empathetic part um, is really hard for people to do. Because we see our own pain. We get so bogged down by what we feel. And, you know, I'm very blunt when I speak to my clients about certain things when they're trying to like hold space for everybody and I'd be like you know what forget their feelings right now you can feel your you can you have the autonomy right now in this space to just feel your own feelings but when it comes to trying to make amends when it comes to having a conversation with other um, family members it's really necessary to empathize with them and see how hard their situation must have been my mother was a teenage mom you know, she had two kids by the time she was 20. So I can't expect that she operate at a level of development. Like thinking back now, her brain wasn't even fully developed. Our brains aren't yeah. fully developed since 25. So how could I expect that she could do something that she just didn't have the mental capacity nor the social training to learn how to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we forget to look at the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a game changer that empathy and validating I do a lot of I do a lot of work around validating and like you're mentioning like the autonomy when you are able to just sit in your own truth is very very powerful yeah yep and be free of it so what populations are your are your favorites to work with so what what I say, like my niche, like my passion, who I love working with, I love working with women, women of color specifically. It's usually between the ages of 25 and maybe to 35 or 40. I love working with that group. I The, the problems that I love to work with basically are just women who are having trouble with communicating their needs. Like I mentioned, speaking their truth and being authentic self because so many times the work that I end up doing is in that space of, of breakup or in that space of um, we may be breaking up and I feel like I'm really, like I'm losing myself. I don't know who I am anymore. That, that's what gets me excited. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a good space in my practice because almost all of my clients are either engaged or just got married, which is a weird thing <laughs> yeah. for me. But yeah, that relationship piece the communication piece is definitely something that I see a lot with black women are there any other specific challenges that you see in your population I see I see a lot of 
because of like what I say is uh, struggles with like um, societal norms, gender norms, gender roles. So a lot of people feel like I have one client where we use the characters of sex in the city to describe choices of lifestyle. And I remember she said, well, I want to be Carrie, but then sometimes I like to be Samantha, and I just feel like I can't be Samantha because then I'll ask my numbers, or I can't be Samantha because, um, you know, people will judge whatever. And I, I said to her, well, you know, you can be both and. You don't have to choose one. If you want to do something that Samantha would do, like if you want to be promiscuous or whatever she was referring to, you can. So a lot of my clients, they feel like they have to choose one path, one one personality, and you do not have to do that because that's where the frustration, anxiety, depression, isolation, all that can set in. Yeah, but that's an external validation. Like a lot of people are making those determinations based on what they think other people want them to do and who other people want them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I help them get in touch with their values and their core beliefs. Mm-hmm. So they, so it's coming from within, like, this is what I want to do for myself, not based on, like, what society thinks or my family. So there's stuff like that, too. You know, people who are, um, like, Nigerian cultures and, like, what family wants is just what we have to do. And sometimes that doesn't align with your own values and your beliefs. Yeah, I... I, those are the clients that I like. I feel like I'm like doing a whole training. That's what I call it. <laughs> I'm trying to get them to get in, get in touch. Wait, what did you say? I said whole training. <laughs> and then I come home all excited, tell my partner, I'm like, yes, I, t- I taught this girl to be sexually free today. And he, she's like, oh, he's like, yes. oh my God, what in the hell? He just looks yes, at me please. like, could you please not do that to the world? But I mean, a lot of women are. I don't think people understand that a lot of black women are still sexually conservative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Either, not not always in our activity, but a lot of times in in our minds and it's around shameful behaviors and stuff yeah. like that. And so I, I think that that narrative is, is oftentimes perpetuated by men who want to take advantage of us not having mm-hmm. that freedom that men exercise you know definitely before they are married men are single until they are married and sometimes after Uh i'll be honest um yeah and so true and so yeah kind of being able to give somebody that the permission to be Uh sexually free and and make sexually autonomous decisions i I love i love those sessions yeah yeah, I have one yeah. of those clients yeah. right now. She's my only, my only single girl, and I'm like, come on, girl, we gotta. It's summertime in New York City. Summertime in New York City is the best oh, yeah. time to be single. Like, there's so oh, yeah. many things to do. So I gave her like a list of things to do. We 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 got a game plan. Like, I'm gonna live vicariously through her this summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully she executes a few things. Yeah. Yes, I mean it's so important. It's- I, I, lo- I love it too like just you can do uh, yeah you can do whatever you want you yeah and you would have really enjoyed the conversation I had with this guy um, last weekend and he was um, he was doing something I was in a car with him whatever we are getting something from the party and he said to me he was like oh I wonder if you're this um, like 
he said controlling, that was not what I was doing. I was just saying, like, hey, you might want to slow down because cops are out and you've been drinking, whatever. And he was like, I wonder if you're this controlling, like, in the bedroom, like, you know, would you tell someone, um, like, move over to the left or do it this way if, if you were in the bed with them? And I said, well, yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, well, I mean, well, well, would you? Because, I mean, you're it's sex, but, like, you're still enjoying it, so... Why, even though it could be better, you're still enjoying it. What? Like, that's the thing. <laughs> I know. I know. You would have loved to talk to him. I was like, that's the thing, though, because if there's an opportunity to enjoy it, I'm going to vocalize that. And that, that's when I clicked again. Men are not used to women, and women are not used to vocalizing that, hey, I don't like this. Can you do this? But like, you are allowed to say how you want it. Wait, what? People are having sex with people and not telling them what they like? Yeah. <laughs> that hasn't come yeah. up. Now, that hasn't come up in my practice. When we talk about the sex talk, it's usually somebody is not getting it as much as they want to get it. And they're not getting it how they like to get it. But it's not usually that something is not being vocalized. Yes. It happens. But, and, it happens. but wait, time out. So he he expected because <laughs> I need to understand fully. He expected <laughs> that a woman would have sex with him, be marginally pleased, and not try to improve yeah. the situation. Well, yeah, because for a man, right? Like it's just insertion and in pump whatever, and then you're good. There's not a lot that really has to go into it, unless you tap into like your own sexual needs. That's a whole different thing. He's expecting women to like. Well, if you're if this is going on, then there if there's something else you want, like you're not really gonna say it because you're still good enough. <laughs> uh, who wants to just be marginal at sex? Like, who wants to just do good enough sex? <laughs> so people who like they can't speak up. People who may be ashamed for the kind of kinks, let's call it, that they like. Right? Like people may feel like they may be judged for that. I, I don't know. I guess it's just it's it's just my my own experience. But like, especially my partner, he takes it very serious. If I'm not satisfied, like I'm, he, yes. like he makes it a, a personal mission to be like, nah, this is not. Nope. Mm-mm. You're yeah. not gonna put this on my record. He said, nah, you're not gonna yeah. put this on my record. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, exactly. yeah, yeah. I I haven't I haven't had any. Just personally, me personally, I've never had, I haven't, I'm going to say never, but I haven't had that kind of person in a really long time. But I have heard from friends of mine that that's kind of like what happens with this generation sexually. And I also... They just don't care. Yeah, well, guys, the guys are just like, I'm, I've showed up. Yeah. Have yeah. me, have at me. But I don't... Mm-hmm. I mean, I date men over a certain age, so I don't know what happens, like, under 20, under 30. <laughs> I have friends who date under 30 and under 20. I I'm, don't I'm, blame you. I'm just not one of them people. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there Ooh, are that's, people out there that, yeah. I did have a, I did have a, a 16-year-old client who I, I miss dearly. She moved away, but... She she did tell me that I was problematic because what? yeah yeah I was problematic in relationships. Um, she was coming to me. She she had a bad relationship with her stepmother. Her mother had mental health issues and lived in another state. And her dad was a, was I'll say a single father, even though he had a wife. 
but she really wasn't all that involved in raising her daughter. So I was almost like a proxy for for her. So we would talk about like things that she felt like she needed to talk to her mother about. And one of those was that she liked this guy, but she didn't want to be direct and tell him that she liked him. And he liked some girl's photo on Instagram, but he, she didn't want to ask him if he liked the girl on Instagram. And I was like, what the hell are you losing by asking? By, by not asking, what are you, like, what are you losing? Like, I don't understand. Like, if you get the information, then you can make an informed de- decision on what you want to do. Like, I don't understand. And she was like, oh, my God, you are so direct. Like, you're problematic. And I was like, I don't understand how advocating to get my needs met is a bad thing. Like, you should want to have as much information as you possibly can so that you can make an informed decision. I don't understand why you want to come in here and ask me what I think when you could just ask him what he thinks. This is true. And still, I don't know her at this very thing and, and still for women though women aren't aren't it's not always a good thing for women to be direct and assertive and seeking clarity right women can keep small and don't take up a lot of space and she's like you know what I mean like so that narrative is still happening people like you and myself we don't subscribe to that like if there's something to say we'll say it polite or not and we'll say it we won't we won't beat around the bush because We've learned that by not saying something, it's too exhausting on ourselves to try to, like, figure it out for someone else. I can just go to the store. Yeah. So once again, I want to thank Dante Mitchell Hunter for coming on the show and uh, tune in next week for the second part of the interview. Like I try to keep the shows around like 30, 40 minutes. I realize that people have lives and other things that they want to do. And so uh, next week you will get the conclusion of this this interview. And I have to say, Dante, you are my favorite guest so far. Yes, I'm going to put that on everything. You are my favorite guest. I had so much fun listening to the show back. I had so much fun doing the show. We laughed so much. And I'm going to give you a sneak peek of next week's episode right now. So I see my eight-year-old self with my candy cigarette in my mouth on the phone listening to your your mother's friends' grown-up grown up problems. Like, like, it's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> so tune in to see what my eight-year-old self and what Dante's eight-year-old self as counselors had to do with the story and also if you want to submit a question for our what would you do segment let's see if we can keep it going and see or find out what I do about my what would I do for this week or what would you do or what would whoever do for this week see the conclusion of that story either on my Instagram maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll talk about it on our Instagram live maybe I'll bring the Instagram lives back I'll think about it because I'm really really booked in my office thank God Jesus thank you Lord um I've been really really booked lately so we'll see if I can bring back the Instagram lives on Thursdays, the Real Relationship Rap series. I don't know if I'm going to bring it back just right now or wait until October, but I definitely want to bring that back. However, next week, I'll definitely tell you the conclusion of that story. And if you have a scenario you would like to uh, submit for our What Would You Do? Make sure that you either hit us up in the DMs or send me an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, be well.